Chapter 13 What? Uh? Frederick doesn't wake up enough to open his eyes before the injection takes effect. He's even smaller than Will. Hannibal hopes the dosage is calibrated correctly for him to wake up at the appropriate time. Regardless, there is no turning back or second-guessing now. The show is well underway. Briskly, Hannibal slips a tube down Frederick's esophagus and deposits Abel Gideon's ear in his stomach, and moves on to the rest of the house less than five minutes after he walked into the master bedroom. Bless Frederick and his ostentatious home. If Will were awake to call him on this, though, Hannibal would freely admit that he has no room to talk. Hannibal finds the perfect room for his arrangement downstairs. He settles Will and Miriam last carefully. Both are several hours from waking. He strokes Will's curls. If this pageant plays out as he hopes, Will is going to be gloriously furious with him. Hannibal is looking forward to apologizing as much as he is to any other part of this. Three unconscious people dealt with, one to go. When Hannibal finishes his set dressing and gets back to his stolen van, license plate swapped with an identical model, Abel Gideon is in a bad way. Likely, he won't live to regain consciousness. Pity. Hannibal had hoped to make Abel witness to the conclusion of his own role. Even though he still has a great deal of work to do tonight, Hannibal is careful to remain under the speed limit on his way to Virginia. It would not do to be pulled over while wearing a hairnet and clear plastic oversuit with the one-eared, one-armed, legless man dying in his back seat. Will's thoughts are hideously sluggish. Miriam, my name is Will. She starts, How do you know who I am? I work for Jack Crawford. But how can you see my face? I can't see anything! Her right hand comes up to her face, and the stump of her left arm twitches like it's trying to do the same. Oh god, am I blind? Did he take my eyes too? Her voice gets more shrill with every word. No, no, I'm a sentinel. I can see in the dark, Will assures her. Oh. She sags with relief, then brightens. Jack Crawford sent you? He's looking for me? He didn't exactly send me, but I think he's going to find us both soon. We are, we were, getting very close to catching the Chesapeake Ripper. So was I, I guess, she says mournfully. What do you remember? Will is genuinely curious about this. Hannibal has to be confident she doesn't remember finding him. Her being alive at all is proof of that much. Being awake and not awake. Being myself and not myself. Her voice is flat. You seem awake in yourself now. His voice was as powerful as the drugs. It pulled at me like a current, bringing me in or sending me away. Where are you now? I don't know. The same place, I think. The flowers are the same. Will really isn't tracking yet. It's only now that he registers the heavy perfume of flowers in the air. Can you see? Is there a table? A bathroom? Will lifts his face a little more. It's getting easier, and looks around. He's in an armchair, facing Miriam sitting on a bed. There is a closed door behind him, and an open door through which he can see a sink and part of a toilet. There is a small table where the flowers are sitting in a vase, and a cardboard box. Yeah, there's some kind of food bars on the table. Hannibal probably feels worse about making her eat those than he does about amputating her arm. That makes sense. I think I've spent... a lot of time in here, just eating and sleeping. As much time as he told me to. How long have I been missing? Two years. Two years, she echoes and rubs her mouth. You could say twenty or two months and I'd believe you. In all that time, were you ever as clear as you are now? No. Then obviously something's changed. 
We have an opportunity to help ourselves. Will lurches upright, then falls back again. Just as soon as I can get out of this chair. Jack shuts off the ringing phone before he's even entirely awake. The phone is lucky he doesn't smash it to keep it from waking up Bella. Lo, he mutters, stumbling out into the hall. Special Agent Jack Crawford? Speaking. This is Officer Khalil Hara, Baltimore PD. Sorry to wake you up at this hour, sir, but we received a 911 call from a phone belonging to a Dr. Hannibal Lecter. There were sounds of a struggle, and the call was cut short, but your name could be heard clearly. Jack swears profusely. He'd been hoping to speed up getting a warrant on Dr. Chilton, but not like this. Not again. As daybreak approaches, the ambient light in the room increases until Miriam last tells Will she can see. Unfortunately, what she sees is a room she's never been lucid enough to recognize, nor lucid enough to realize she's never been in this room before. Yes, well done, Hannibal. And Will, having a harder time coping with whatever Hannibal injected him with, than he did coping with a fever of 105. It's not uncommon for sentinels to react oddly to drugs, she says, watching with concern as Will staggers to his feet, holding onto the back of the chair for support. I'm also just getting over the flu. Well, there you go. Look, why don't you... Use your senses, and I'll do the moving around for a bit. Will flops back into the chair. Okay, the door. Hinges on the outside? Locked? She turns the knob. Yes. Can you give it a shake? She rattles the door hard. Will listens carefully. There are three deadbolts and a bar across the door. I don't think we could break it down, even if both of us were in top shape. Miriam looks down at herself, clearly emaciated even in her modest dress. Actually a really fucking weird dress, Hannibal. And of course, short an arm. Right. And that little window's too high to reach. Not if you stand on the table. Will heaves himself to his feet again. I'll help you move it. The table is small but heavy. It takes both of them to haul it across the little room. Will wonders if Hannibal put it in here himself, or if it was his good luck Chilton furnished his guest room this way. Maybe he'll ask Hannibal after he's done tearing him a new asshole over this unilateral fuckery. Will leans against the wall while Miriam clambers cautiously onto the table. She peers out the window. It looks like it opens. Can you fit through it? Definitely, but I don't know if I can lift myself up. I'll boost you. Me and the wall have got a good thing going on here. Miriam regards him doubtfully, but steadies him as he joins her on the table. When Will braces himself against the wall and makes a stirrup of his interlaced fingers, she steps into it and reaches quickly for the catches on the window. She kicks off from his hands, and Will very nearly does fall off the table then, and squirms through. I made it, she says. I don't think your shoulders will fit, though. I'll be okay. Just go get help. No way. He'll either put you on display like the others, or keep you in a cage like me. I can see a garden shed. I'm going to break in the back and come get you out. Miriam! It's no use. She's drunk with freedom, giddily cursing the cold and the approaching dawn, now much too bright for her eyes, as she shuffles across Chilton's lawn and thumps around in the garden shed. Will reminds himself this is the same woman who attracted Jack Crawford's attention while she was still in trainee hell, and managed to find the Chesapeake Ripper while keeping so few notes no one had the first clue where she went. Eventually, Miriam makes a startled noise and comes back towards the house, dragging something on the grass several more somethings clinking under her arm. Two loud bangs, and Miriam grunting with effort, and a crash of breaking glass, and then she's letting herself in the back door. Probably found a shovel. 
It can't be more than two minutes before he hears her footsteps outside the door, but it feels like an eternity. She removes the bar and clicks the three deadbolts, then pauses. Will? Yeah. This doorknob is locked with a key. I think I'm just going to unscrew the hinges instead of looking for it. Where did you find a screwdriver? In the garden shed. She drops the screwdriver several times. Her pulse and respiration are rising. She's tiring rapidly. Finally, the door sags. Are you clear? Will calls. I'm clear. He shoves and the door pivots around the locked knob as it falls out of its frame. Will jumps clear, but it still barks his shins. Shit. Are you okay? Miriam is pale and shaky, but already looking a bit less scared. The garden fork she's clutching like a talisman probably helps. Yeah. Will forces several deep breaths through his nose and dials down the pain. Let's go. Their luck runs out in the kitchen. Frederick Chilton is leaning on the island with a gun in his hand. The smell of vomit emanates from the sink. Chilton is gray-faced and sweating. He looks about how Will felt when he first woke up. Mr. Graham? He exclaims when he sees them, and then does a double-take. Oh my god, you're Miriam Lass. No thanks to you, she quavers, exhaustion papered over with fresh terror. Chilton squints, obviously not thinking clearly yet. What is the FBI doing here? I thought I heard a burglar. No burglar, Frederick. Just two of your prisoners taking their leave. Will speaks as gently as he dares, with Miriam watching. Chilton would have loved to stick Will in a box, but Will has no stomach for the same. Still, he's as screwed as Hannibal if he doesn't play this out now. Where's Hannibal? What have you done with him? Who is Hannibal? Miriam says under her breath, not looking away from Chilton. My guide, Will says back, also not looking away. Oh, I don't know what you're talking about, mutters Chilton. You're lying, Miriam says frantically. Chilton does the worst thing possible, pulls himself up to his full height, sticks out his chin, and says condescendingly, Miss, you need to calm down. In a moment of pitiless objectivity, Will is forced to acknowledge that Chilton really does have a beautiful voice. Smooth, musical, attention-grabbing. He probably has guide aptitude. It works against him now, though. You are clearly upset, but there is no need for... He's cut off by Miriam's hoarse scream as she lunges at him with the gardening fork and stabs him in the abdomen. The tines are wickedly sharp and sink into him as easily as they would into butter. Chilton's eyes go huge, and he slumps to the floor, leaning against the island, agony making him gape soundlessly like a fish. There's an ear in the sink, says Miriam in a still, small voice from the outer reaches of panic. Jack Crawford chooses that moment to break down the front door and charge in, shotgun at the ready. Said shotgun falls to dangle uselessly in one limp hand when he sees Miriam. If Hannibal were here, he would probably be hearing the final notes of a symphony right now. Will looks like hell, moving slower and less steadily than on the day he was hospitalized with pneumonia. He lets Brian Zeller take a blood sample, but declines to be taken away in an ambulance like Chilton, saying he's shaking off whatever he was dosed with. I don't remember being taken, he says. I had dinner with Hannibal, and then I was waking up here, in the same room as Miriam. The pleasant room, Miriam says dully. That's what he always said. You're waking in a pleasant room, safe, calm. She's pale and shocky, clutching a blanket around her with her one hand traumatized but alive. Will, agent. She looks at Will. I'm sorry, I know he said it, but I didn't catch your last name. It's Graham, and I'm not really an agent. I teach at the academy. 
I just moonlight as a profiler for Jack. He looks embarrassed. I thought it would be more reassuring if I left all that out earlier. Will Graham. Her eyes are always wide, widen a little more. Did you write a monograph on determining time of death by insect activity? This surprises a laugh out of Beverly Katz. You, I like, she says to Miriam. You want to come be Igor instead of getting recycled? I'll vouch for you. Beverly, sighs Jimmy Price. There is a time and a place to recruit lab interns, and even I know this is neither. I don't mind, says Miriam. I appreciate the vote of confidence that I'll be good for anything more than finger-painting. She's hovering on the edge of tears. You broke out of a basement window, then broke right back into the house to let me out by the door. I'd hardly call that finger-painting, Will points out. Listen, you've had a lot more mystery drugs on board than me. You should probably get going, but I'll come check on you, okay? She nods. Good luck finding your guide. I hope he's okay. I know he's alive. I can feel it. He shrugs. Plus, I'm, you know, still talking to people, so... When the ambulance with Miriam lasts and it drives off, Will rounds on Jack, mask of brave, tired, calm, falling away. Where is he, Jack? He grinds out. Blessed protector syndrome in full effect. Will is ready to kill every single person between himself and Dr. Lecter. He's not at his house, and I'm told there's no sign he was ever here. Paramedics think the trauma team will be sewing Frederick Chilton up until tonight, if he lives through the day, and who knows how long until he regains consciousness and can answer questions if he cooperates at all. This is the Chesapeake Ripper they've finally caught. Jack expects he'll be no less of a pain in the ass in captivity than he was at large. I know where he is, or which way at least. We'll point southwest. Give me a car and I'll track him down. You're in no condition to drive. You said yourself you could barely lift your head just a few hours ago. So let me ride shotgun with somebody. But Jack, I have to do something. He looks at Jack, pleading. Come on. If it was Miss Crawford. If it was Bella, Jack would have stolen a vehicle an hour ago, knocking bitches down like bowling pins if they were stupid enough to get in his way. Fair enough. Let's go. The subaudible awareness of Hannibal's heartbeat is like a homing signal in Will's chest. It leads him onto the I-95, and then the I-495, and then the I-95 again, until they're out in a rural area near Somerville, Virginia, as they get closer, it becomes an agony of choosing one small gravel road, then backtracking when it veers off in the wrong direction and trying another. At last, they come to a condemned cabin, made of graying, rotting wood, and Will can hear Hannibal's heartbeat properly again. He leaps from the SUV before Jack has even finished parking, and sprints for the door. The main floor is deserted, but the basement is an abattoir. There is flesh everywhere, a thigh, and what looks like a slab of fatty back meat hanging from the ceiling. An arm covered in live snails in one shady corner, a calf and foot half cut into stakes on a bandsaw. The whole space is so intimately, intensely, insanely Hannibal that for a moment Will is not precisely sure where the man himself is physically located in the room, though his heartbeat and scent are very near. God Almighty, says Jack behind him, another cannibal. I may in fact be getting too old for this. Most of it smells like Abel Gideon, but not all of it. Also, there are a few too many parts to all be from Gideon. Hannibal must have cleaned out his freezer for this. God, he'd better have really cleaned it before the house was searched last night. There are a pair of cisterns in the floor. Will eases the lid off the first aside and is greeted by the eviscerated, dangling torso of Abel Gideon, 
He smells like he's been dead for a surprisingly short time, considering the number of pieces of him strewn about the cabin. He's dead. I would have figured that out, I think, Jack says dryly over his shoulder. Hannibal's in the other cistern, strung up much the same way, but in one piece, and with his limbs bound. He squints groggily up at them, a beautiful smile breaking out on his face. Will. I see a winch, Jack says, but Will's already shimmying down the cat's cradle of ropes. He needs to cut Hannibal free before Jack notices the restraints on his arms and legs are more artistic than functional. He gets out his leatherman and starts sawing through the loops of rope. I knew you'd find me, Hannibal murmurs through chattering teeth. It's not quite as cold down here as it is out in the wind, but it's still damn cold and damp. Hannibal will be lucky not to come down with something himself. The ropes come loose, and Hannibal slumps into Will's embrace. The fear and tension of the day melts away, and there is nothing left but a kind of baffling, tender fury. I'm going to kill you, he croons in Hannibal's ear. How dare you endanger yourself like that, like this, without even telling me your plan. Authenticity, Will. I am going to, to strangle you until your eyes pop like champagne corks. Oh, Will. Beat you until you look more like a side of beef that fell off a truck than the most annoying man in the world. Yes, please, don't stop. Hannibal, Will declares, still just above a whisper, I will dig my way into your ribcage with my nails, like a dog, and eat your raw heart. Dearest Will, mano mi la masis. Hannibal sighs ecstatically. Do you promise? Ugh. Luckily, the winch Jack spotted has a large sling attached. The webbing of rope Hannibal was trapped in. Although getting free on his own would have taken some doing, he was definitely counting on being found. It was not necessary to get them out. They raid up together, and Will helps Hannibal to his feet, one arm slung over his shoulder. Glad to see you alive, doctor. Hannibal nods, not having to fake his weariness. Jack, says Will, I quit. Will appears to have recovered well from his dose of sedative. That was one of the things Hannibal was most worried about. Sentinels often have idiosyncratic reactions to drugs. Hannibal himself took only enough of the same for the level in his blood to be consistent with a much larger dose delivered last night, and still feels somewhat off-balance. After Hannibal has successfully declined an ambulance and been cleared to leave the crime scene, Jack insists on giving them a ride back to Wolf Trap, which naturally limits the conversation. Still, Hannibal learns that Frederick is likely to survive Miriam Lass's carefully primed moment of recognition, minus a few organs. Pity Hannibal couldn't have found a way for her to stumble across a gun. I'll have some trainees drop you off at your car again, Will. Jack clearly doesn't want to accept Will's resignation, but is too smart to press the issue. Will just nods, committed to his role of bonded sentinel whose guide just had an unacceptably close call. When Jack has left them alone at last, Will and Hannibal regard each other. The dogs inside the house can see them through the window, so are only shuffling and clicking their claws on the floor instead of barking. The wind over the fields is louder. I'm still very angry with you, Will says. You have a right to be. I violated and manipulated you for my own benefit. Will despises lying. Only total honesty will help Hannibal now. Let me make it up to you. Will shakes his head. That's not what's going to happen. Let's go inside. It's only early afternoon, but the dogs are pleased to be let out anyway. Will leads Hannibal upstairs to the bathroom. They shower off the smells of children's house in the cistern, of drugs and stale blood, and then Will fills the tub and they float in the heat, 
Hannibal is the one in front of Will, getting sponged off. They wouldn't put you in a prison if they caught you, Will says quietly. You'd be committed. Straight jackets and padded walls and chemical lobotomies. I'm not insane, Hannibal protests, mildly offended. Not in and of yourself. But you're different enough from the rest of humanity that the pressure to study you would be stronger than the pressure to punish you. And in the process, subjugating me to far worse punishment than I would encounter in prison, I am aware. Will's rubbing of Hannibal's arms is becoming compulsive. Hannibal takes the sponge from him. What about you? I was attracting professional curiosity long before I met you. The bitterness in Will's voice is old, tired. I'd be in a padded cell of my own, no question. Perhaps we could share one. It's illegal to separate bonded pairs indefinitely. I'd rather just not get caught. Well, yes. They dry off and move to the bedroom. Hannibal hasn't forgotten the heavy intent of Will's face before they came inside the house. What did you have in mind? Lie down, Will instructs. Eyes on me. Hannibal has to fight to keep looking when Will settles himself between Hannibal's legs and starts licking his cock. He's unpracticed. Will gets few opportunities to do this, as Hannibal is so ravenous for Will that the entire category of doing things to Will frequently results in him coming untouched. The sight of Will's pretty pink mouth and tongue, licking and mouthing and nuzzling at him, has Hannibal's cock furiously erect, so fast it leaves him light-headed. Oh, Will, he sighs. I don't think I can last. Will lifts his head enough to say, Go ahead and come whenever you want. I'm only going to stop if you tell me to. Never. Hannibal swears. Will quirks a smile and starts going down on him in earnest, slurping at the head of his cock, firmly jacking the base, running the tip of his tongue inside Hannibal's foreskin when he comes up for air. One time he graces the foreskin with his teeth, and Hannibal is shocked by the groan that rips out of him. Will raises an eyebrow and oh so gently sets his teeth in it and gives a tiny tug, like he would Hannibal's lower lip. Hannibal whimpers. I'm getting close, he warns, and Will hums contentedly and lets Hannibal thrust up into his mouth, taut-lipped and hollow-cheeked. It doesn't take long for Hannibal to come, and when he does, Will pops off and lets Hannibal's semen spurt onto his face. Only then does Will briefly close his eyes. He crawls up Hannibal's body and presents his face for Hannibal to lick clean. Hannibal's cock twitches. You know me so well, he murmurs, and laves Will's cheeks with his tongue, carefully cleaning Will's stubble. Yes, I do. Face clean, Will reaches for the lubricant and heads back down Hannibal's body, urging Hannibal to bend his knees and spread as wide as he can. That was the other reason for not including me in the final phase of your plan, wasn't it? It wasn't all about authenticity. You wanted me to see the worst of what you'd do. It was a test. Cunning boy, Hannibal mutters, eyes darting away. Will notices immediately and grips Hannibal's chin until he looks at Will again. I see you, Hannibal. Now see me. He breaches Will's body with one slick finger, and Hannibal feels as if Will is pushing at him with their bond as well. He feels more through it than Hannibal does, or at least is more adept at interpreting what it tells him. Hannibal tries to open himself to the bond, using the physical sensation of Will opening his body as a kind of reference. It must do something, because Will gives him an approving look, but it doesn't feel like he's accomplished much until Will eases inside him. Hannibal gasps, and moisture he didn't feel building up trickles from his eyes. Will is... Will is everywhere. He's moving under Hannibal's skin, filling every corner. It's an acceptance and a closeness Hannibal can't grasp, even as it happens to him. That's right. Will says, I see you. 
Nothing I saw today disgusted me. Some of it annoyed me or worried me because I think it was a bad idea, especially going off and doing everything yourself. He braces his hands beside Hannibal's ears, and Hannibal strokes his forearm and wraps his leg around Will's waist. Hannibal feels the truth of all of this in his bones. I didn't need to do that. You didn't, but you didn't know. Now you do. I'm involved, Hannibal. And dear God, surely that is the understatement of Will's life, this inextricable entanglement. So involved. From now on, we do what we do together. He's thrusting slow, steady, controlled, pushing his words into Hannibal as he pushes his body. Hannibal is growing hard again under Will's surprising strength, his ruthless affection. You want to kill with me? Hannibal would know if Will was lying, like this. He isn't lying. I do, although I propose a change in criteria. I have no interest in slaughtering pigs. Yes, Will, anything. Hannibal moans. He knows they will argue about the details later, but he means this now with all he is. Okay, good. Will rears up and starts jacking Hannibal's cock in time with his thrusts. Together now. Together, agrees Hannibal. And Will comes, he feels it as much as his own orgasm or more. You don't have to do this, Will says. Sure we do, says Alana. Friends help you move. Her face is obscured behind a box of Will's office things. Best friends help you move bodies, Beverly quips. Hannibal shoots Will a look of pure glee. Hannibal's style, which means a barely perceptible crinkling of the eyes. Will tries not to choke. Actually, I'm here as much as a buffer between you and Jack as anything, admits Alana. I think you're making the right choice here, Will, and that's not just loyalty to my favorite teacher talking. She adds with a wink at Hannibal. I'm all turned around behind this. Which way to your car? Hannibal guides her out with a light touch to her back. Will and Beverly are left alone in Will's office, even more of a sad, dusty little room, without his stacks of folders everywhere and case files for half-planned lectures pinned to the walls. I can see how it's easy to leave all this behind, Beverly says dryly, waving her arms around. I'm getting flashbacks to trainee hell just being in here, but the real work is out there and in the morgue. Can you really tell me you don't love it? I really can. I always hated it, but I felt like it was worth the cost, Will says. This time the cost was almost too high. I'm getting out while the getting's good. What if I promise to leave you to your teaching, Jack says, appearing in Will's doorway. There are so many feet in the halls right now, Will didn't make him out. Come on, Jack. We both know you couldn't help yourself. It's in your nature to use every tool within reach. Will hefts a box. There's always going to be just one more you really need help catching. Have you ever considered simply hiring a profiler directly? Asked Cannibal beside him. Alana has crossed her arms and is throwing a chilling glare at Jack. Jack mutters darkly about budgetary constraints, and Will makes his escape. As he and Beverly head down the hall, he can hear Jack say to Hannibal, I brought you on board to support my profiler, and instead you're marrying him out from under my nose. Will would bury his face in his palms if his hands were free. Bonded sentinel guide pairs have most of the rights and privileges of married couples already, but Hannibal lives to put on a show. Will had been hoping no one would point this opportunity out to him. Sure enough, Hannibal muses, Now there is a thought, in a tone of someone struck with a terrible, wonderful idea. Oh! Alana does not quite squeal. Ugh. Jack groans. What are they talking about? asks Beverly. How do you know they're talking? You get this look on your face when you overhear something you'd rather not, like you have a bad taste in your mouth. 
Just Jack handing out more bad ideas. He's good at that. They stow their boxes. When they get back, Jack asks, I actually came down to see if you'd sorted your stuff into what's yours and what's the Bureau's, but I'm guessing those. He indicates the untouched stack of boxes on the other side of the office. Are the confidential files. That's right. Want some cold cases? I could keep you on retainer as a consultant. Are you? Offering to pay me to take confidential material home? Recruitment and retention is going to crucify me for driving you off. I need a consolation prize. Jack? Alana says in a warning tone. Jack throws up his hands in surrender. If you get bored, my door's always open. He holds out his hand. Will shakes it. He doesn't blame Jack for being Jack, any more than he blames Hannibal for being Hannibal. Alana hugs him, and Beverly claps him on his good shoulder. Both promise to drop by for beer sometimes. Hannibal promises to keep it in stock. When they're in Will's car and on the road, Hannibal asks, Did you truly leave all the cold case files behind? Will snorts. The originals, sure. But lecturers scan and photocopy things all the time. Half of what's on the back seat is people ripe for a little vigilantism. Serpents for my mongoose, Hannibal jokes. I was going to say your new menu, Will shoots back. Will can feel Hannibal's fond gaze on his face, and his voice is even softer than usual when he says, You really are extraordinary. Careful, if you keep saying that, I might start to believe it. Then I shall have to keep saying it. Extraordinary. Unprecedented. Beautiful. Are you trying to get me to pull over and give you something better to do with your mouth? Will growls. I am now. Hannibal's already reaching for Will's fly. May I? Will breathes hard through his nose and looks for a place to park. The End